are the people I truly serve. Salmons, this is Year Zero. Today, I have the great pleasure of chatting with Mr. Richard Grove. Richard Grove is the host of the Grand Theft World podcast. Every Sunday, you get five hours of Richard Grove going back through the last week's news and shredding it. He also has the autonomy course for those who are looking for freedom in their lives, looking to break the cycle of employment, looking to start your own business, or who have already started their own business and aren't quite reaching the successes they would like. You can go to the autonomy course. But first, RyanBunting.com for all of your graphic design needs. That's RyanBunting.com. Ryan Bunting is the worst libertarian you will ever meet in your life. He's not even an anarcho-capitalist, bro. But the motherfucker can make some shit online. And that's why you need to get all of your graphic designs from RyanBunting.com. Like me and Pete Quinones. RyanBunting.com. And as always, thank you, Tom Burton, for the music. Okay. We are here with Mr. Richard Grove, one of my favorite researchers and host of the Grand Theft World podcast. What's going on, man? How you doing, Tommy? It's a pleasure to be back. And uh, I was a big fan watching. I felt like, you know, just of you were the other day watching you and Pete. And uh, yeah, how you been doing? I've been doing well, man. I've been really busy uh, working really a whole lot. It's been, what, two years since we spoke the last time, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, before COVID. I spoke last with you before COVID. That was the last time I got to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking about uh, Gatto. Yeah. The ultimate history lesson, John Taylor Gatto, the underground history of American education, dumbing us down, the weapons of mass instruction, for sure. Yeah, we yeah, covered uh, how the school system got corrupted. We no longer have education. We have indoctrination, and that adversely afflicts millions and millions of Americans today. It's absolutely true, and we saw it come to fruition over the last year. Yeah, over the past year, we've seen – the official sources, the green checkmark places of the interwebs that are allowed to publish, we have seen them admit many, many of the things that people called conspiracy theory in the past, because instead of reading the documents ahead of time, they waited to hear about it on the nightly news. And they've found out how much freedom has been eroded in this country, how small businesses that are not part of the supranational elite conglomerate monopoly of approved corporations that are essential to world economy in the future, how the small businesses can just be wiped off the map, 
how people could just be told to stay home and executive orders and recommendations and all these sort of things started to rule people's lives. And that gave people less and less influence over writing their own script in life. And I think it had to come to this point before more people realize what was going on, what had been percolating in the background, what's been worked on over the past hundred years. I mean, Gatto's slice of that is uh, he pointed out the education system had been corrupted, but there's a whole bunch of there's political statecraft. There's uh, the economy. There's uh, just people's general sense of how the world works, what what actually goes on out there and comparing their beliefs to the reality, because uh, there was an Orwell quote where he said, you know, people can have these false beliefs and hold them for an indefinite time, but uh, they are checked usually on a battlefield by an immovable object. And I think a lot of people ran into those immovable objects and started to ask questions like, wait a minute, I thought I knew what was going on here. And all of a sudden you don't really have a good grasp on how the world is unfolding, what the plan is for the future, what the longevity is for the current uh, pandemic uh, plague that they have going on out there, these sort of things. So I think it's been a great opportunity for liberty, for libertarian ideas to flourish, to get passed around, to be actually very spreadable during this time. The memes have been wonderful in the past year. There's a lot of smart minds out there uh, helping people to grasp the insights, to get more freedom in their lives despite the plan being people having less freedom in their lives. Yeah. And it's really sad because when, when you, when you look and there, there's this overwhelming sense that most people are perfectly happy with the servitude. And um, it, it just boils down to the idea that people prefer s safety, security, over over freedom and so those of us that are are saying no we don't want this we want our freedom are are being labeled as terrorists by a lot of people as insurrectionists and seditionists and i've, I've heard it all and it's just like I, I don't understand how the ideas of freedom have become so demonized by the average american Television plus mainstream media equals that type of indoctrination. I mean, even in the last like 72 hours, it has now been reported that uh, the CIA is going to be used to root out anti-vaxxers and these sort of things that they're going with intelligence and military techniques instead of logic and reason because they're pulling a scam. They know that they're providing the, the public with false data. A good example would be as of December 2020, the official CDC recommendations for doctors on the PCR was less than 40 cycles. Now, to, in their recent study, they're saying less than 28 is actually what gives you effective numbers. They knew that last year. They created a whole bunch of false positive tests just from how they structured the cycle threshold on the PCR test, right? So there's... There's a whole lot of layers going on, but the CIA being used to root out like anti-vaxxers and people who are speaking their mind and sharing, hey, lab hypothesis, here's the evidence, here's the research papers on it, here's Peter Daszak and his funding from 40 million from DARPA, here's a 3 million from uh, you know Fauci's organization, these sort of things to do the gain of function on the back coronavirus that mutated and got either out on purpose or by accident. They want to make that illegal. They want to take those people to camps that report that type of news. It's not a good thing for freedom. So going back to your original inquiry, like this, uh, this treatise on involuntary servitude that people have going on out there, this is hundreds of years deep. 
There's a lot of writers about freedom and individual liberty, like Etienne de la Boetie, who wrote about the, the essence of individuality and our rights as individuals and how to go about life without creating harm to others or taking away their freedom. And in recent years, it was popular to be self-reliant, uh, to have some self-esteem based on self-confidence that came from self-discipline and action and experience in these sort of things, practice, repetition. Now it's no longer in vogue. Now those are privileged activities, logic, reason, understanding that which exists, the things that you used to train your mind for to come in contact with philosophy to find truth in the same way that you take actions in reality to try to get effective consequences and results. Like if you plant a field to grow a field, if you start a project to deliver the project, these sort of things, uh, they've taken away goal mentality. Apparently goals are privileged thinking, these sort of things. So they've taken away the active mechanisms to make progress. They have attacked the foundations to weaken it. It's like they're doing a controlled demolition of our country in front of us. And they're not just doing it in this country. It's, it's, it's around the world. That's why uh, I titled the podcast Grand Theft World, because we are spectators of that right now. And some of us are interacting with telling other people like this is going on and please don't get victimized by it, whether it's the you know, synthetic, synthetic chemical pathogen producing gene therapies that they're passing around out there or any of the other ill ideas. The idea is how do we get non-toxic news? How do we get that filtered to us so that we can make informed choices, decisions, judgments? And that should be the conclusion of step-by-step -step reasoning uh, that starts with that which exists and dis, uh, uh, discards all the other things that are the noise in the system. Yeah. It, it, well, and that's a, that's a, a, a perfect analogy, the noise in the system, because you get to a certain point where you can start hearing what they're saying and you can guess what the next step is. And, you know, I, I think about I, I tie this back to the vaccine passport idea. And all last year they were complaining that um, COVID-19 is is attacking the black community and it's in in a lot of people were making fun of them for saying this saying well oh now you're saying that a virus is racist well no that's not what they were saying they were setting the table they were setting the stage because now they can roll these vaccine passports out and if you refuse to go and and have a vaccine passport refuse to get vaccine now you're racist because you're you're uh your survival is going to put the the black or minority communities in jeopardy. Mm. Well, that's a claim. That's it may be an argument. I don't know that I would accept it. Right. And uh, I don't think the virus is racist, but the virus <laughs> does tend to attack people who have lower vitamin D. And if there mm -hmm. were a problem of people in color, people of color with vitamin D absorption or these sort of things, there might be some correlation there. I mm -hmm. don't know. And the person who claims that they do, you should ask as the observer, as the person who's supposed to accept that argument, I'd like to see the paperwork on that. Can you right. explain to me the step-by-step -step method by which you derived your conclusion? And if you can't, your conclusion is probably not worth me taking as any type of currency or knowledge or wisdom. And I'm probably going to leave it there and move on because there are sources of knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and experience in this world. And that that person's not carrying that to me, right? Mm -hmm. So they're offering you a package. You don't have to accept it. 
They can claim yeah. validity. You can ask to see proof that you can have a discussion and discover things together, or you could assume that they're telling you the truth. That's very dangerous. Uh, so I try to get people away from beliefs that do not serve them and assumptions, because if you are assuming you're giving away your power and your power is in, in, in the observation and the thinking part so that you can have a refined, thoughtful response and not be subject to stimulus response, right. stimulus reaction. Yeah. Because that's control. I, that's slavery. It, no, it absolutely is. And, you know, um, one of the articles I was reading the other day, it's it's it was uh, Parag Khanna. And I, I found it on his website. I heard about it on uh, in one of Patrick Wood's books. Um, Technocracy, the Rising? hard road. Oh, the new one. Yeah, the hard road to uh, world order. Mm. And uh, in, in there, he was talking about this specific um, uh, uh, article that Parag Khanna wrote and, and what, what he's writing. And this is, this is what a lot of people are missing is what Parag Khanna is writing about is how do we use the, like the, the Brexit movements, the decentralized movements, the de devolution movements that are intended to destroy empire. How do we use them to our benefit? And, and, and kind of the conclusion he he came out of there is he's like, we don't really care what their domestic policies are. As long as we can buy off their local politicians, it doesn't matter to us what the domestic policies are. So as long as we can keep those local politicians in our pockets, mm -hmm. it would probably be cheaper than buying national politicians anyway, basically is what he's saying. And it was like, Okay, well, they I mean, they're really, truly going through with this conceptualization and this the sophistry in creating these these battle scenarios within their mind of how to take our freedom, no matter how hard we fight for that freedom. It's almost like they've set it up so the harder we fight for our freedom in certain ways, the more we play into their game. For instance, mm -hmm. if people try to take up arms against their oppressor at this point, that's kind of obsolete, outdated. They would love to bring their new toys out and play with the public. They show that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're they're using LRAD technology on the public for the past 20 years in d demonstrations and protests and things like this. Right. So they are bringing right. out crowd suppression technology and they've they've bought a lot of stuff and they want to practice practice with it and use it. So that's not the right way to resist. The right way to resist is to find out what's going on and then learn how to enlist other people to what's going on. Get back to the facts of reality where we can have common ground because you can't have common ground when you're when you're basing it on lies. So trying to get common ground with somebody who's watching CNN or MSNBC or one of these toxic media networks, that's tougher to do. And you have to do that as an educational process over time. It's not done in one conversation. It's a it's a healing process. It's not like a magic wave the magic wand and poof, it works. Right. right. So it's about our learning first how to think how to think and that gives us a lot of internal self-reliance and then mm -hmm. it's how do we communicate uh, there's verbal self-defense there's intellectual self-defense but there's also the how do we educate ourselves and then how do we teach others how do we educate others well first is by uh, not going at them with declarative sentences because telling is not selling. You want to start with questions and that gets people thinking. And it's the absence of people thinking, e.g. using assumptions. That is the form. That's a popular form of control. They heard it on CNN. They assume it's true. And, you know, 85 uh, percent of black men are killed by police and they're unarmed. And this, this you know, they, they exaggerate the reality. The reality is tragic enough.
The mm. real numbers are tragic enough. So for these other mainstream media outlets to try to get clicks because they exaggerate and they give false headlines, I think they should go the way of the dinosaur and the comet should be new media, alternative media that provides truth direct to the audience, doesn't play the audience as fools, empowers the audience with the references and all the things that we do and what we do and other colleagues of mine have done for years. Mm -hmm. So it's about learning how to educate people and just talk to people on the real and not try to convince them or bombard them or truth pill. Like, you know, you have to learn how to relate to people again. And some people have never learned that because the school system, the school, the school system, uh, it trains people to be scared of confrontation, uh, passive aggressive scarcity mentality, learned helplessness. It doesn't allow you to speak confidently in front of groups or to list enlist others to your endeavors, these sort of things. So a lot of people are playing the game from a handicap position and the emboldening and strengthening of some of these muscles of communication and thinking can really help us resolve this much, much faster, quicker with, uh, with no violence whatsoever. But we have to take back the power that we do have that we've acquiesced through assuming uh, and, and not looking for the truth through a, a method of knowledge and then believing. And again, acquiescing our ability to process that through our methodology to find truth and then coming to our own conclusion. So those two things, the assumptions and the beliefs, that's how people are mentally enslaved. And it was Steve Biko who said he started the, uh, the black consciousness movement in South Africa. The most powerful weapon in the hands of your oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. Yeah. It's still true today. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is true. And, you know, I mean, you, you know, I, I look at, well, let's go here. I, earlier I was, I was listening. I haven't finished the, the entirety of it, but I started listening to the day one of the D three summit. Yeah. That I just took that out place. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, anybody who's looking for that, um, Derek bros has put it on the constant, uh, conscious resistance page on Odyssey, which is where I'm listening to it. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll have John Bush coming on here in a couple of days. I'll be talking to him. I got um, John Bush I, coming on Grand Theft World in a couple of days. Good for you. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm yeah. having John on and Derek on to promote the greater reset that's coming up in May. And then we also co-sponsored the D3 conference. So that's why I was tuning into that. I had a bunch of uh, my my uh, graduates and uh, colleagues working on that. Yeah. Jack, Jack Spierko's talk was one of my favorites. I haven't gotten there yet. I've, uh, I just got done with the... I just got done with the crypto talk um, where they had the round table. I just, I just finished that right before we got on here. Um, but so they, I like where, what he's doing here as far as he's showing you. And just like the book, I have the book right here. Uh, Derek Rose were, wrote um, how to opt out of the technocratic state. Um, so I like the work that they're doing, but one of the questions I have and you might be able to, to help me out with this for people that are, are afraid of what's coming and they see what's coming, but they're also afraid of utilizing cryptocurrencies, newer technologies, because they don't understand them. What, what is a solution for them? How, how can they engage in the world and, and not be just trampled underfoot? Learn how to mitigate your risk through learning and gaining experience and tapping into a network of people who have better answers than you. And I would start with, I have always been and continue to be a critic of the crypto 
everything about the origins of Bitcoin, about the similarities of these cryptocurrencies to the 1996 NSA paper from MIT, how to make a mint, right? However, I've also uh, owned Bitcoin. I, I first got some Bitcoin in 2013 and I've known about these things. I know a lot of people who were like early on into it, this sort of thing. And uh, I continue to admire the tenacity and philosophy behind the market. So the, the technology, I don't understand it. And I, I'm a little skeptical of its origins, mm -hmm. but that all being said, there's a lot of upsides to it. There's an investment upside. There's a, if you use Monero or pirate, there's a privacy upside now to it. And I think that's the future of crypto. That's one of the reasons I really like Jack's speeches because when I heard him talk about it, I was like, I already had those two coins. I had already seen that value. It's going to come up in the market whereas you don't have it with the uh, the public blockchain, these sort of things. So uh, you mitigate your risk. You don't put all your eggs in that basket unless you know what you're doing. You don't right. play with more than you can afford to lose and not lose sleep over it, right? Mm -hmm. But there are serious opportunities there. There is people out there with their businesses based on it and accepting it and transacting it. And uh, there's a lot more wealthy people out there who are off the radar because of it. And I, I think that's a good thing because a lot of people don't want to be Bill Gates or the richest person in the world, right? And they can use their crypto for smart things to make the world a better place, to make projects happen in reality that uh, otherwise are not coming to fruition with the traditional market. So I think there's a, a huge upside to it. I could see Bitcoin with its limited scarcity of 21 million Bitcoins being worth $100 million per Bitcoin in some, you know, some future decades away. But at some point, if you have billions and billions of people trying to use it, now it has scaling problems. It has transaction fee problems. There's a whole bunch. Yeah. of It's not a perfect thing, but it does seem to be like the 800 pound gorilla in the market right now. And knowing about it is good. Maybe, you know, consistently just put a little bit in there because it looks like it's going to grow into the future. That's not a bad idea. I would certainly get knowledgeable on the crypto market in a serious way before I would ever risk anything in the stock market the shenanigans that go on there like i have not had any money in the stock market for decades that is complete right. you know ponzi scheme waiting to fall so there are legitimate people to invest in out there and there are things that you can do to facilitate that outside of the the traditional uh, american economic system of the federal reserve notes being based on debt being inflation all these things that are happening it's not a bad area to be knowledgeable in and um we helped John Bush produce a course on cryptocurrency, how to get started, how to get your wallet. Uh, we also produced a course for Derek Rose, since you mentioned um, he did his holistic self-assessment book, which is excellent, but we found that more people were inclined to actually do the exercises if you present it as a course. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways that people can start to know themselves and know the marketplace. And if you do those two things together, then you're going to be having luck consistently of your own design because luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity you mm -hmm. see there are opportunities now if you get prepared and go intersect with them you're going to have a lot more luck than the average joe just waiting for their universal basic income check whatever name they give it this week but they're spending i mean like a, a what a quarter or a third of all dollars ever printed were printed in the last year yeah like if people don't get what that means and they, they just think $4 gas and like $100 plywood's bad. Mm -hmm. It's about, they're going to make it a whole lot worse, which is going to stimulate weak people to get strong. 
mm-hmm. if you're not on the road to getting stronger yourself, you know, now's not a bad time to do it. Well, and I just, I just released a podcast a couple of weeks ago with uh, the Huntsman. I don't know if you're familiar with him on Twitter, but um, he's a supply chain expert. And the, the thing that really stuck out to me that we were talking about was, you know, you have the inflationary uh, spending, you, you have all this going on with the Federal Reserve printing so much money. Um, I've heard anywhere between 40 to 50% of the, the money in circulation was created last year. You could be closer with the 33% um, guesstimation. I mean, it's really hard to know. What and only a fraction of that money has ever made it to the public for the things that they're claiming it's for. Even Biden's right. new infrastructure thing, it's minuscule and infrastructure is not exactly what needs to be done right now. It's just another way they can steal from people to make them weaker so that your immune system economically and mentally is not ready to meet and greet the challenges that they're putting out there in a way that you can survive, thrive and take actions in the world with a high degree of, uh, of predictability. Because right. otherwise you're going to be scared into inaction, passivity, static nature. And that's, that's not growing. That's dying. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, and that was to, to add on top of the in, inflation though, the huntsman was telling me that what we're looking at, we're looking at at least 18 to 24 months before the supply chain actually gets back on track and, and comes back online as, as, as it's supposed to operate. And that would that's, be great if it's only 18 to 24 months as well. Exactly. You know? because, because that's what he was saying. It, it, that's barring any like natural disaster or the longshoremen's union goes on strike, you know, in, in June of 2022. So you don't know how long we're looking at this being, like you said, a hundred dollar plywood. You know? Well, here's what else I see them doing. I see them trying to raise the minimum wage artificially. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a good uh, anti argument for that. There's a good argument against it. Um, but the other part is they're trying to get rid of freelancing. Biden has a plan. He's trying to get rid of people's ability to freelance and be their own private contractor and yep. run their own business, these sort of things. And the businesses that we're going to have to hire these freelancers in order to keep them can't afford to pay the minimum wage, let alone all the other things, right? So there's a whole bunch <clears> of businesses. And the businesses that you would suspect the government's really making the law for, like Uber, they're exempt in California from this law, this sort, you know? So it's being used. Like, I, I feel like they have a steamroller and I see it just crushing small businesses and families. And it's like, we have to fight this with better ideas and we have to do it quickly and we have to do it in larger numbers with a, a higher degree of confidence than we've ever done it before. And I think the situation calls for it. Mm-hmm. Well, they I think have- that's opportunity. It's, I don't think it's a threat. I think it's a great opportunity because freedom needed to expand anyway. And now's the time to do it. Right. Yeah, no. And, and, in last year, we saw with, between the, the riots and the people setting fire to small businesses and then the lockdowns, how many small businesses went out of business. And this just um, accumulated more wealth to the, the multinational corporations that are all in bed in owning, paying for government and, you know, uh, buying the politicians that they recognize that the growth of the gig economy, the freelancers in the gig economy is the next step. It's the next entrepreneur that they're going to have to take down to funnel all of the resources, all of the finances to the big banks and the big corporations. Yeah. Yeah. They're making like a cattle shoot. And I'm sure that you meant to say the mostly peaceful protests from last year. They weren't riots, of course, because <laughs> if you search for riots on Google, they won't come up. But if you search mostly peaceful protests, they do. So Google says 
therefore that must be what exists right fire fiery but mostly peaceful yeah and yeah. then the the whole aspect like the the lockdowns killed small business the protests mm-hmm. didn't didn't help right? right um and then you find out like 60, 60 minutes said that the thing that all the protests were about that murder of george floyd by derek chauvin that it wasn't race driven that Keith Ellison on 60 Minutes says if we if we could have charged him with racism or hate crime, we would have. It was absent mm-hmm. from that. It's just a tragic yeah. situation. Right. But there were the, all these riots not based on evidence and mostly peaceful protests, these sort of things. You can't take those back. Right. Right. And they say that they have plans to do more for the summer. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of festivities, but they want you to cancel Fourth of July. You can't get together. You can't dance in D.C. anymore. That's a new rule. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't dance at wedding. Can't no 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 more dancing. Sorry, but uh, you got the people that uh, bring in the the drugs and launder it through Bank of America. They're fine, but then the people who try to use Bank of America but support freedom, they're not. So I mm-hmm. think they're telling us very clearly, like they are uncloaking. They are saying the quiet parts out loud. Yep. Like Klaus Schwab, he says the quiet parts out loud all the time. Yes. It's like you're gonna have brain trip, uh, b- brain chips. Like I thought it was just like, well, it's in the appendix of his book. You know, it's it's in the appendix under a section called deep shift. And if you go in there, he talks about brain implants. Right. Mm-hmm. But then if you go back and look at like DARPA 2010, uh, that guy's telling, you know, the professor, he's, he's telling everybody they already had 10,000 people with those brain implants back then, 2010. You can mm-hmm. hear Klaus Schwab talking about 2016. I'm referring to two separate Jason Burmis videos on this topic. But uh, yeah, he, he got together the clips and analysis. It's like for people to say that's crazy today, they're just uninformed. Right. They're uninformed. When I just saw that uh, Melinda Gates had some clip over the weekend where she's like, my husband, uh, you know, first off, this RFID or this microchip technology for in your body doesn't even exist. And if my husband was working on it, he he would have mentioned it to me. And then the next thing I see is they're getting divorced because she yeah. found out her name's on the foundation, baby. You're funding Epstein and MIT's projects for doing this and transdermal mm. microneedles with quantum dot cryptography based in your skin seen with infrared light from a smartphone app all this sort of stuff is been working on for a long time long long time i mean i got uh, the spy chips book behind me by Catherine albright she wrote that book at least 10 15 years ago about rfids under the skin transmitters the 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 internet of humans all these things that they're making today and people out there are still saying that's conspiracy theory. I'm like, well, you're kind of dangerous to be around because you're so ignorant and uninformed, ignorant. You are ignoring that, which exists with your Mm -hmm. assumption that people a aren't like evil enough to do those sort of things or B, you know, I don't know what they think. It's hard to understand people who don't think because we're thinking all the time. So sometimes there's a little gap. Well, you know, this is this this is where I'd like to transition from in this conversation because we're basically laying out what's been going on, but we're really getting into the the heart of the matter, which is the 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 rolling out of the Great Reset, um, shaping the future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Which, whenever I was talking to Pete about that, I was I was super focused on chapters three and four because I wanted people to understand what the mind, the thought process behind this, this technological rollout, this technocratic rollout, what their, what their thought process is and utilizing what they call like global values in order to introduce the transhumanist movement, the post human world 
the post-human world. Yeah. A future of cybernetics and transhumanism. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm familiar with this topic. I've been uh, familiar with this topic for since like 2003. I started learning about these sort of things. But to your to your comment, I wanted to show you something from this book. This is the World Economic Forum, a partner in shaping history, the first 40 years. This is like their official, here's how we did things. I want to take you to the part here about the Davos Manifesto. And I'm going to put my glasses on and read it to you, Tommy. Okay. Because I think you might recognize a few of these names. And it'll tell you a lot more about the plan today, right? Like if we go back to their origin and what were they about, we identify some things. We might have a better idea what the picture is today. This is page 15 from the book, 1973, the Davos Manifesto. At the third European Management Symposium, that's now called Davos, the forum broadened its European focus under the theme, Shaping Your Future in Europe. This Davos meeting was held under the honorary sponsorship of His Royal Highness Prince, Prince Bernard of the Netherlands. Do you know who he is? Who he was? No, I do not. Uh, he used to be a member of the SS. Oh. Uh, in with the Nazis. Yeah. So you got Nazis in the first paragraph. Let's go to the second paragraph. Two developments distinguished this Davos meeting. First, Aurelio Pache, the Italian industrialist, delivered a speech summarizing The Limits to Growth, a book which had been commissioned by the Club of Rome, the global think tank that he founded and served as its first president. The study had caused sensation after its publication in 1972, calling into question the sustainability of global economic growth. They then cite Malthus as kind of their reason for doing this, mm -hmm. and then they go forward. So you've got this Nazi plus the, uh, the guy who's looking for population control, limits the growth, Club of Rome, that's that's where you're coming from population control and nazis and you could pretty much bring it forward to the fourth industrial revolution and klaus schwab because mm -hmm. klaus has been at the the helm of the world economic forum he founded it in 1971 he continues to be uh the person who steers the ship of state in that and it's an it's an international organization it's not a na it's not a nation it's supranational Mm -hmm. All the biggest corporations, like it's almost like the front companies of the new world order got together and made a group because Klaus Schwab said that might be a good thing to do. And it still goes on today. And it is shaping a future 50 years later after they made that manifesto population control and, uh, you know, the, 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 the crackdowns that have been going on, they're not something unlike what the Nazis did to people back in the day. Right. So. It's not a stretch to connect this plan for global domination back to some people who wrote about it for years. I have all the Club of Rome books here. I have all the Klaus Schwab writings and, you know, up to his COVID-19, the Great Reset. But I have his earlier writings, too. And they do show a continuous building toward the thing that they're working on right now. The Great Reset is just like an activation of the Agenda 21 plus Codex Alimentarius aspects of United Nations plan for the future that came out of the unsaid meetings in the 1980s with Lord Edmund Rothschild saying mm -hmm. we need to do these things and tell people that climate's the problem. And if you go back to the Club of Rome books, they say that, uh, <laughs> let me just, I'll read it to you. They tell you that humanity is the problem, Tommy. Humanity, let's see. Is this the, the page or not? 
we shall see. Um, it was under a section right here. No, I'm, I didn't put the card back, but the quote basically says the problem therefore is humanity itself and that they're going to tell people that climate is the problem and everything that you see going on today was written. I mean, this book's from the early nineties and yeah, I when last time I used this book, I didn't put the card back. So shame on me, but there is a book. It's called the first global revolution, a mm -hmm. report by the council of the club of Rome by Alexander King and Bertrand Schneider. And I'll tell you the year. So people can look it up. 1991. And I'll continue to look for it, but, um, these, these organizations have been doing this for a long time and planning what they're doing today quite meticulously. Uh, you can even go into the various exercises that they held, like the SPARS pandemic of 2023 to 2025, the uh, Event 201, which is, again, World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's like these are the knowledgeable elements of evidence that they are easily within grasp of anybody to start right. and see through the ruse. Right. But it's a long, it's been a long planned, well thought out, practiced ruse that they're doing. They're very yeah, I, to it. I think the first I was made aware of it was listening to, uh, I think it was you I was listening to talk about tragedy and hope for the first time. Um, I think you were interviewing Plummer. I can't think of his first name. Oh, yeah. Joseph Plummer is the author of Tragedy and Hope 101, which is like the cliff notes to Carol Quigley's Tragedy and Hope, A History of the World in Our Time from 1966, mm -hmm. and uh, also his Anglo-American Establishment, which was published posthumously after Quigley died because he felt that if it was published during his lifetime that they would kill him and most certainly end his career. Right. So, so yeah. uh, you, you had interviewed him. Of, I, I guess it was... I don't know, three, four years ago, I guess it was when I heard it. So it could have been even longer than that when you interviewed him. So that was when I first started hearing about this stuff, because the only thing I had ever heard of whenever somebody would say new world order was basically the, the limited hangout shit that you get out there, you know, constantly the, the stuff that's meant to throw you off the trail, the stuff that's meant to sound crazy. And, and I, so whenever I started hearing you talk about it, I was like, hold up, this actually makes sense because this actually works hand in hand with what you've, what we've been seeing go on in the world. You know, you have people like Zbigniew Brzezinski writing about things like this and his hand deep within the throes of the military industrial complex for years steering American interventionist policy. And, and so you can see how these things are coming to fruition and how it's not like the Birchers say necessarily. It's more of this meticulous like evolution of global capitalism. Yes, and I prefer to say it in their own words. I found the passage I was looking for. It reads, this is from the First Global Revolution, a report by the Council of Rome, a club of Rome. The common enemy of humanity is man. In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. 
In their totality and in their interactions, these phenomena do constitute a common threat which demands the solidarity of all peoples. But in designating them as the enemy, we fall into the trap about which we have already warned, namely, mistaking the symptoms for the causes. All these dangers are caused by human intervention, and it is only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. And changing attitudes and behavior is mind control. That's operant conditioning. That's Skinner and Pavlov and a whole bunch of other psychological people who figured out how you work better than you know how you work and then mm. therefore they can manipulate you this book's from 1991 do you think they're doing that today tommy what i read in that paragraph does that apply to, to today oh yes absolutely and here's their book from 19 let's see 67 limits to growth this is from 1972 to dr aurelio pache right this is the guy Limits to growth, population control, Club of Rome, World Economic Forum. These are all the, the players today. Mm -hmm. So there's a long history, and the audience isn't going to find out about it on the History Channel. Like, there's no way you could learn this on the History Channel. So you can't learn it on Netflix. You can't learn it on Amazon Prime. You can't learn it on Disney+. Plus. You have to be able to go to the internet to find this out and to find researchers who are actually willing to explain to someone like Tommy once upon a time. It's like the New World Order is a real thing. H.G. Mm -hmm. Wells has a book. He describes it. He also has a book called The Open Conspiracy. They're doing it right out in front of us. Mm -hmm. They were Fabian socialists. They were in the Cecil Rhodes roundtable circles of the English speaking idea taking over the entire world and having globalism from a British Empire perspective. That is right. still the exact story going on today. Cecil right. Rhodes and De Beers and MI6 and CFR and CIA and all these other things. They're all part of that same narrative. DARPA. Uh, the transhumanism, all part of that same agenda. Eugenics, part of the same agenda. So there's a very interesting history that's being unfolded. We're in the middle of that story. We can choose to be spectators or participants or be your own hero in this situation because this isn't a comic book and you're not having people with superpowers and colorful costumes come and save you. Mm -hmm. Like the most colorful costume people got was that orange man bad guy. And you see how that went. So we have to... <laughs> We have to up our game. We I have still to say have that was a psyop, but whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it I mean, a, yeah. I mean, they're they're floating it out again right now that that he might run again in twenty twenty four because they see that everybody is suddenly since Biden won the the election, nobody's interested anymore. Yeah, and so now yeah, they're yeah. floating out the whole Trump thing, trying well, to they get need the Democrats all fired up. Yeah, they control people through emotion, and nobody's willing to get emotional about Biden because they don't care, right? Mm -hmm. But on the presidential front, it's like uh, I learned about libertarian philosophy from Michael Badnarik, who ran for president in 2004, and he yep. got my vote. And that was the last time I ever voted for anybody for anything because I learned a lot more libertarian philosophy. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go voting for people that are doing and claiming my represent like representing me and doing things I wouldn't agree with, dropping bombs on people, putting people in cages, these sort of things, not very cool with. So I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm not going to participate in that. But now it's been like, uh, a process of if you don't start to participate in politics and let other people learn what freedom is from a perspective of uh, non-aggression, physical self-defense, intellectual self-defense, you can actually have freedom, freedoms for everybody. It takes a little bit of learning and we can all enjoy it a lot, a lot higher level. If we don't start to take action and talk to people and, and stir up ideas of freedom, they have despotism, tyranny, totalitarianism 
technocracy planned for the future, a non-human future. They don't think the creation is good enough. And they're like, we should make it our own. All they knew how to do is destroy. They really are destroyers of creation. And I refuse to participate in that. Right. I, I have consciousness and I have a conscience and I know how to make choices for myself and I know how to stand my own ground and I know how to be self-reliant and communicate my needs in a peaceful way. So I don't need to play in their game or mm -hmm. that game that they're playing. Right. And I think we should work on parallel structures. They, they're like, oh, go create your own internet. Good. It's on the checklist. You know, go create your own operating system. Go create your own phone. Good. These are all on the checklist. Freedom people are working on these things right now. Mm -hmm. And when they're created and that super highways there, no one's going to be going to msnbc.com and these other things. They're going to be obsolete dinosaurs again. And they're still playing the press game where they're like, you know, putting out newspapers and that, you know, so they're like two layers behind at this point because they keep forcing the evolution of freedom outside of their control. They yeah. can control it on free on YouTube and Twitter and all these other things and Facebook. But once you start kicking everyone off, all those people just got liberated, bro. You, they, mm -hmm. they had control. They had surveillance and all these people from their own platforms. And now they're over here and over there and every far Moss Eisley outpost of the internet where you can post something they're over there now. And now they're aware of the game and they're, they're providing more resistance. So I don't know that the other side has really thought out 21 moves ahead. I just think that they've had a goal. They've been consistent and diligent and determined, and they've been operating invisibly for a long time, over a hundred years, but now they've surfaced and now they've unmasked and decloaked and said the quiet parts out loud. And people are formulating individual ideas in ways that they can't control easily anymore. And I think that it, the universe did not create humanity to be slaves forever. Right. And that's the plan of technocracy. So it's an opportunity for freedom to get its big boy pants on, step up and do the things of self-reliance, self-confidence, self-esteem. And then you can work pleasantly and peacefully with other people to get meaningful things done. And if we start creating goals and start fortifying ourselves in, in, into federations of freedom, I think we're going to be well staffed and stacked in the arsenal of the info war because it's an idea of attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs, not a war of, you know, uh, you know, rounds and, and shells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. W one thing I think we should clarify, because you and I can sit here and talk about this stuff, and we know exactly what we're talking about. Like, like we're not reading too much into what each other is saying. Yeah. And not, but there are going to be people maybe that stumble across this. This is their first time exposed to this kind of conversation. So I think it's important that we, that we clarify the... Uh, G. Edward G Griffin had a great way of describing the ring within the ring within the ring um, that that Cecil Rhodes had envisioned. Yeah. And how that offers plausible deniability to the people on the outer ring. So the people that a lot of the people that you're familiar with in your everyday life, the, the corporate um, CEOs and this, that and the other, they're not necessarily anti-human but they are operating under a system within a system that is is controlled by anti-humans right so they have the plausible deniability like we we see this with like the coca-cola here recently had that that big stink where they were uh in all kinds of hot water with their customers because a lot of things telling people to be less white and this that and the other 
They ended up letting that attorney go that came up with that idea. The new attorney that took over his position said, okay, we're not doing that anymore and step back. So these people, there are people that are aware of what's going on. And then there are people that are just going with the flow and they see how, how the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's a difference between the Nazis in the planning office and the Nazis putting people on the trains. The people yes. putting people on the trains were just going with the flow, just doing what they're ordered. Eichmann called it Amtsprache, and Hannah Arendt wrote about it uh, at least one book, I, uh, two books, I think, Banality of Evil and Eichmann in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So there's an idea of you're just a cog, you're just doing your job, doesn't matter what your actions are actually translating to as far as taking away other people's freedom. Then mm-hmm. there's the central planners, and they know very well what they're doing when they right. when they order the Hollerith machines to track the human resources through the concentration labor camp system and see how fast they wear out and how fast you need to replace them, right? That's more of an evil thing. It's yeah. uh, sociopathic. It's psychopathic. They can be very high-functioning. A lot of high-functioning sociopaths find their way into politics and CEOs of big corporations, right? So mm-hmm. there is a, a willingness to sacrifice human beings to save money. Mm-hmm. Bayer gave people AIDS with factor eight to save some money. Uh, Johnson and Johnson put some asbestos in a baby powder for 40 years. Yes, maybe it's a saving money. It's a little filler they need in there. So they don't mm-hmm. use so much talcum powder. So there's all these things that are going on. So there are evil people and evil can simply pe- be people being ignorant or nescient that are taking away other people's freedom. So we right. don't have to talk about it. Like they're diabolical Jeffrey Dahmer types, though. Some of them probably are right. Yeah. Um, we just need to understand it from they don't know us. They don't know what we need. They don't have our best interests. Like we can all agree on this, right? Like the guy mm-hmm. or gal who's running Monsanto and poisoning people's crops with their stuff. They don't really care too much. None about you, do they? So right. that aspect is one. The other part about the rings within rings, there is a controlling elite. Governments find money very useful and controlling people and getting people to do things, including militaries. Mm -hmm. So whoever's printing the money uh, becomes very powerful. And if they create a system where they print money out of nothing, then that's like absolute power and it's going to get absolutely corrupted. There's that group of people. Then they have rings of companies and groups around them that have low morals and ethics and integrity, useful idiots, uh, agents of change, right? So like Bill Clinton, George Stephanopoulos, Rachel Maddow, uh, a whole bunch of people are Rhodes scholars, right? They've gone to Oxford. They've taken the Cecil Rhodes uh, scholarship to be Anglicized or Englishified as Americans going over there to be part of that British Empire process that became part of uh, the legacy of Cecil Rhodes, who who created De Beers and apartheid in South Africa, and said the Masons and the British Empire have this goal to take over the world. I'll make a plan to get that done and get America back into the British empire. And this is, this is the game. The British empire still exists. They don't call it the empire. They call it the Commonwealth. They call it the United Kingdom. They got different names for it, but it has always lamented the loss of America. They've wrote written extensively about this very openly. And in Cecil Rhodes's last will and Testament, he said, wouldn't it be a great idea to create a secret society to take over uh, the world and we have to, in order to do that, we have to take America back into this, uh, this English speaking uh, British empire in order to take over the world. So they would use Amanda, uh, America as a jumping off point for world domination, which is exactly mm-hmm. what they did in the 20th century. America became the property managers of the British empire and all their bases and all their wars around the world. And they got to step back a little bit and be in the background, but the money power is very much 
in control and the right. money power attached to an agenda. And then that, that agenda infiltrated America, took over its political uh, statecraft, took over its education system, took over its economics, took over its newspapers over the past hundred years, step by step by step, took over the, the universities and the professors and brought in the progressivism and the communism because that's what could crush America. At the same time, the same industrialists, these same Western bankers and industrialists funded the Soviet Union and all of its infrastructure and technology, funded Mao's China and all of its infrastructure and technology, funded Pol Pot. That goes back to Brzezinski and that stack of books that you're referring to earlier. Uh, you know, so there's a lot to unpack. And as long as people think if it's conspiracy theory, they save themselves the benefit of learning about these right. things that you can understand and see clearly they prefer to wear the Coke bottle glasses and look in funhouse mirrors and see a clown world reality when there's crystal clear, high definition, accurate, verifiable, valid information that's been in history. And there is evidence and artifacts to reflect it for over a hundred years. Right. So I just always took the, let's dig into the substantial and see where it goes. And it only goes deeper. And if you dig into the vapid superficial claims and those, those shallow puddles, you're going to hurt yourself trying to dump, jump into things that don't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, when you look at Cecil Rhodes wanting to create the, the greater British empire in that way and turn it over to America, you can go back to, the book shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution, whenever Klaus Schwab is talking about some of these, these third world countries that have been resistant to technology, been, been resistant to industrialism and wanted to keep their traditions and values and didn't, and, and he, and he openly disparages Islam because the women don't, don't work, you know, and they, yeah, I mean, well, they might he, be being moms at home to their kids and the exactly yeah. to the state, dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They exactly. Can't have that. And the exactly. other thing I should mention is because you're talking about influencing our culture and traditions. Let me just say this to all the people who think it's conspiracy theory out there. Do you or someone, you know, or in love own a substantial sized diamond, like an engagement ring, a wedding ring, one of these things, right? And how did you get that? Because De Beers, the company of Cecil Rhodes, which was recognized as a cartel and could not participate in the United States for the past hundred years, but recently it became legal. De Beers ran an advertising campaign to take this stone that they could not market because the royalty and aristocrats wanted colored stones, uh, sapphires, rubies, emeralds, these sort of things. That was their bling. Nobody wanted a clear stone. It was worthless. It took mm -hmm. advertising and they to advertise it. They put it on celebrities. They put it on royalty. Right. And then they told you a diamond is forever. They made a James Bond movie. Uh, you know, diamonds are forever. These sort of things. And they got you to equate love, which is like your up here value with a worthless stone. And not only that, give it two months salary, protect it over like, oh, it's your life. It's mm -hmm. it's a joke. It's a joke being played on people. And that goes to Cecil Rhodes and the whole infrastructure of psychological warfare to get an immense amount of wealth from Americans into their coffers for this plan. That's just one aspect of it. Right. There's the Oppenheimer aspect of it. Now, references on that, because that sounds whew, the rise and fall of diamonds by Edward J. Epstein. And it's Peace Revolution, episode 28 or 29 uh, diamonds, the jewel of denial. And if you listen to even first 20 minutes of that episode, you're going to start getting your mind opened up in a non-conspiratorial way because it's history that you are mm -hmm. thirsty for. Right.
Well, and you could also just go read Edward Bernays propaganda and you can see how the utilization of propaganda created, you know, bacon and eggs as a breakfast thing or, you know, women wanting to smoke cigarettes, calling them. What do they call them? Freedom is a liberty. That's it. Torches yeah. of liberty. Yeah. So so the, the the propaganda is all around us. And this world has been constructed through these people, through their propaganda and in, in creating wealth for them. Well, and to your point, since you brought it up, I'm going to I'm going to read the paragraph from propaganda that everyone should have memorized by now. But if you don't, this is your introduction to it, because we could say this, but you don't go and look it up. You're going to lose out. So this is 1928. This is what they had already figured out. This is what they were willing to tell the public. This is from Bernays's propaganda. Chapter one, organizing chaos, the conscious an intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together smoothly in a functioning society. The book goes on from there, but if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it because without knowledge of that, you probably would think all these things are conspiracy theory, but you're like, oh, wow, that's what they knew a hundred years ago about how our country worked. That was like, you know, one of the top yeah. guys. It's it's Lipman, Bernays, and Ivy Lee. Learned wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he Freud's nephew? Or yes, yes, yeah. he's uh, Ed, Edmund uh, uh, Edward Bernays was Freud's nephew, and uh, he's seen in the Adam Curtis film. I forget the maybe the the Power of Nightmares or one of those series that Curtis did for the BBC. Mm. Yeah, uh, very interesting character. But Ivy Lee was the first PR guy. He started working with uh, Rockefeller and Rockefeller Foundation and redoing their image, just like they did to Bill Gates. Right. Bill Gates oh, is that when, uh, was a curse word, man. He was ripping everybody off. He was antitrust. He was on mm -hmm. trial. He looked really bad. And then he gave all his money away to charity and became like 100 times richer. Yeah. The, yeah. the uh the Rothschild was that when he started? He was given dimes out. Isn't that what it was? Uh, J.D. Rockefeller started giving out dimes. That was a Ro Rockefeller. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All the, yeah, all, the Rockefeller all these family people. started in oil and got into finance. The Rothschild family started in finance and got into oil. So the Rothschilds funded the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, what's that prize? Nobel, the Nobel Brothers. Nobel Brothers Oil Consortium uh, was Rothschild funded, and the Nobels made the oil tanker for the car, uh, mm -hmm. the train car, as well as the oil tanker at sea. So yep. these large transport vehicles on which America is heavily dependent today came out of Rothschild investments in Eastern Europe in the right. 1800s. Yeah. And prior, prior to um, their involvement, there were actually some cars that ran specifically on ethanol. And yeah, it, absolutely. It, it was actually weeded out of the market because of the oil barons having so much influence over the politicians. Porsche made an electric car in like 1901. Really? Uh, they had battery powered cars back then. That was one of the first. And so there was battery powered car. Then there was a uh, alcohol 
fueled car and any farmer mm-hmm. can make alcohol with a still on their property and be self-reliant, run their tractors, run their cars. But they wanted city folk. They started getting the gasoline, which was a waste product of, of Rockefeller. And they found out that if they processed it, they could use it as a fuel because it was, you know, they were making lamp oil, kerosene mm-hmm. and these sort of things. And they were throwing away the, the gasoline aspect until they figured this out. Mm-hmm. Then they did prohibition to make sure everyone had to switch on to gasoline. So it's more about monopolizing and changing the attitudes, behaviors and values of Americans to get them away from self-reliance of growing plants, making alcohol from those plants, fueling yourself, your, your city from the, right. the alcohol from that, right? Alcohol mm-hmm. can be a gas is a book by David Bloom, B-L-U-M-E, I think is his last name spelling. Uh, it's a fantastic book and it goes well with Jack Harris, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Yeah. Read those two books. You could see it. we don't have to have plastics or paper or petroleum products, any of that stuff. It could all be done from hemp. We could be self-reliant. We could be non-toxic. We could be green agriculture, all these things, but we're never going to get that through Klaus Schwab and World Economic Forum. These people They want to poison our future. They want to make sure people don't procreate. They want to take over humanity. They want eugenics. They want transhumanism. They want a future where it's it's not natural. It's not natural. It's not being asked for. And it's being done without people's informed consent, which is one of my biggest problems with it. Just like the the vaccines that haven't been tested on animals. I mean, they have been tested on animals in the past, but not this one. They're doing the animal testing with the human testing. It's all being done open in the public and it violates the Nuremberg Code for Medical Ethics. I thought the, I thought the animals wait, were waiting for the human testing to be done. Yeah, if they were smart. (laughs) Unfortunately, these people experiment a lot with the animals, the Rockefellers and their mouse studies. Like they don't care about mice. They want to know how human mammals work and they're using mice as their model. That is one thing my wife has done uh, throughout our entire house is made sure that there are no products tested on animals to the best of her ability. I'm sure we still have some, but she is doing everything she can to weed out the possibility that we have anything in our home that is tested on animals. Yeah. People need to raise their level of consciousness and they need to, uh, I'm not, I say need like it's obligatory. It would benefit individuals to raise your cognition levels, to raise your skills, to improve your networking abilities because they're only going to make things harder from here. Right. They never plan on ending the lockdowns. They never plan on bringing back normal and they just plan on people waiting it out and like uh, a slowly adapting it like frogs in a pot, turn it up Mm -hmm. slowly. And, you know, we could, we could see a lot less freedom this time next year. If nobody, uh, if you were, if too few people learn how to communicate with each other in a peaceful way. I also think that there was, there's been, the the growth of the liberty movement over i'd say the last like 10 years since ron paul especially i think i think that's panicked a lot of them Mm. i was reading a article earlier and it was written in center for american progress and it was um they were talking to a lot of generals and um what was the guy's name bishop carroll i think was the guy's name who had they were asking him about white supremacist and he turns to Bishop Garrison is his name. So they were asking him about white supremacist instead of, and instead of talking about white supremacist, he responds by discussing how much of a threat to institution, to institutional power that libertarianism is. Mm. And so they're, they're working very, I mean, and we saw Brennan do this too on uh, MSNBC. They're working very 
covertly or overtly to lump libertarians, those that want to live free lives, agorists, libertarians, voluntarists, they're, they're working very diligently to lump you in with white supremacists. And you should be very aware of that going forward. Yeah, well, they can do all they want to try to divide and conquer people. But at the end of the day, the people that they are now turning their focus on are multitudinous. And I think it's uh, it's just showing their weakness when they have yep. to use tactics like this. It's not a strong position that 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 opponent is in when they have to act like that. Right. Censorship is a weak act. Right. Mm-hmm. That just says that there's individuals out there. Like if you, if what you're doing is so threatened that someone out there in their basement making some content is threatening your evil agenda, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it, you know? And I think if, if truth can break things out there, truth should be out there breaking things. I'm sorry that you guys have a big investment in the lie, but that only goes on so long. You knew it was a short play game doing the lie, right? Right. Because it has to be maintained, like a holding a beach ball underwater. The natural force is always putting it up. And if they don't put enough resistance back on it, it's going to pop out. That's why I think in the next couple of months, you'll see them come out with some sort of alien agenda and psyop. They've been working on that, too. Because if you what did I say in the 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 Club of Rome book on the next global revolution, when humanity's enemy of itself in that paragraph, it's like, you know, this is a thing that would bring solidarity. They have underneath global warming, climate change agenda. They also have aliens that would bring people together. There's that Ronald Reagan quote saying, sometimes I wonder if maybe an alien would bring us all together. Right. So they are preparing. It looks like from all the blips on the radar, I see it looks like a. You know, if you're watching the seismograph, you see that pattern before a, a volcano goes off like a couple of days ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm picking up on the radar here is that they're testing the, 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 you know, I heard Tucker Carlson talk about UFOs and aliens and Pentagon footage and the flying Doritos in the air and this sort of thing. It's like it is, they're trying to permeate our society with uh, like the groundwork for the next PSYOP because they see this COVID thing. There's a lot of contrary information that they've had to censor when they have to censor the governor of Florida and o- Oxford and Harvard people, and they have to hang out on bit shoot now and, and spit some truth. There's a problem in the world. When they, you know, and they have overextended and they have, they have expedited their timeline. They have overreached. And I think that if we have patience and persistence and continue to resist in the right ways that we can uh, have better longevity than their lie. Yeah. Well, and just from a couple of days ago, you're mentioning aliens and this is the first thing I thought of Pentagon confirms, confirms legitimacy of Navy pilots, unidentified aerial phenomena video. Yeah, you know, there's the ones it, from the ships too. Like they got the UAVs that follow the ships and yep. they they can't shake them and they can't, you know, there's a whole bunch of shenanigans. That looks like to me, if you were to ask me, parallel breakaway technology has been developed for the past 80 years, probably mm-hmm. run by DARPA. What else is DARPA bringing us lately? Uh, mRNA vaccines, mRNA. Like there's a, there's a whole bunch of things uh, that DARPA is involved with right now. Right. Uh, right up to the the implantable chips for the troops and the mRNA vi- vaccine that'll self-replicate and spread and the one that adapts to any future corona. They got a lot of DARPA projects going on. No one keeps track. Not not a whole lot of people. I mean, uh, Annie Jacobson's got a book on it. Whitney Webb keeps tight hold on on DARPA's information and what's what's being purveyed out there from what's known. But a lot of people just overlook the defense, uh, defense advanced research project agency. You know why? Because we're using the DARPA project. I mean, it was just ARPA back when they created the Internet. But it's like you can't see the forest for the trees or, or fish can't see the water because they're immersed in it. It's like right. 
DARPA, DARPA everywhere. And so uh, who would have propulsion and uh, radar deviation and uh, things that seem to defy physics? Do we have a department of government and taxpayer dollars flowing into a place for the past like 60 years that does that? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So it's not really a conspiracy theory if there's all this evidence that is going on. That's right. my point. It's more like evidence of conspiracy. Right. Yeah, no. And and that I think that's the most important thing people can take out of this is just because you hear something and it sounds unreal or unreasonable doesn't mean that it's not. It's not happening. Going, yeah, especially at this time and at this point in the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, well, and the people like like our age, we grew up watching sci fi movies and all these things that that we're starting to see come to fruition nowadays are things that in the 90s you're like no way there's no way that's ever gonna happen it's like terminator (laughs) running man eraser and uh what was the other one uh where he was on mars the whole time and the they had that machine not oh that's another good one but the anyway i'm not remembering my oh total recall yeah total recall thank you philip k dick you know, any of these types of things were written <laughs> long ago. They 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 took them as business plans. I thought Skynet was a horrifying idea. They're like, that's a good idea. Let's build that. Oh, these robots. Yeah, let's make autonomous robots that are really not autonomous. They're centrally right. controlled and armed. Nothing can go wrong yeah. with that sort of things. So um, to to help you wrap all this up, I would look at it from the, the position of stoicism. There's a lot of things going on in the world that I cannot directly control. So I should be knowledgeable about those things, understand the, the risks, how to insulate myself from them. And then how do I survive and thrive? How do I build a strong network of liberty, liberty-minded people in my life, in my community, in my area of, of, of influence in the world, right? And then yep. uh, how do we spread freedom into the future? Like if we can make it happen now, how do we make sure the future has freedom? And I think we do that from uh, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And that wisdom is putting the knowledge and action in the way that benefits people other than us going into the future. Right. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Wrap up. Let's, we should, we should plug uh, your autonomy course for sure. And grand theft world, your autonomy course, because from what I understand, and I haven't taken it yet and I, I'm going to do it, but the autonomy course, from what I understand is one of the, the most useful resources available today. Well, Pete was in season one. We're currently Pete Quinones. Uh, we're currently in season five. Uh, we've trained almost 500 people. And uh, here's how that kind of works real quick. We recognize that people have certain ailments, earning disabilities from going through public schooling. So we say, what is what is the root cause? So there's some indoctrination. Uh, there's some belief, believing things that aren't true, like uh, learned helplessness, scarcity, uh, paralysis by analysis. We can help eradicate these these kind of uh, threads on Gulliver holding you down and then give you a culture of excellence as a foundation with leadership skills and high value skills that people could go out and make serious money with. Then you can be self-reliant. You can be autonomous. You can work with groups well uh, and, and be able to, uh, you know, take all your superpowers and make Voltron with other individuals, deliver massive value into the market. And then it's about uh, getting that training. It takes about 13 weeks and the students go through, they do exercises together to learn all these various skills, but then really Mm -hmm. it's about taking those skills, putting yourself in front of opportunities that we provide and then learning how to make money from that skill and freelancing, interning, apprenticing, these sort of things. So we have the course, which is autonomy. That's at uh, get autonomy.info forward slash ignite. 
And then when students graduate, we have a consulting and digital marketing agency across the virtual street and that it only, it only employs or uh, in order to be a freelancer there, you have to be a graduate of the course. So now we have people who know each other on a substantial level, who have built up trust, demonstrated integrity, know how to work and play well together. And we can deliver serious technical stacks of uh, forward thinking marketing uh, and campaigns to launch various projects for clients. So they have a chance to learn the skills, put the skills together. Now, a lot of students just want a job or a raise or to start their own business or grow their business. But for like 25% of them, they want to be freelancers. They want to own a skill that they can do anywhere in the world using the internet to bring in money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I teach Friday nights for about seven hours. I do it live every season. So the students get to ask real questions uh, live, uh, you know, real-time feedback as part of the immersion process. And then I do like four hour Q and a on Sunday. And then I do the grand theft world podcast Sunday nights, 9 PM. And that goes on for five to seven hours covering the week's news and adding context and research documents similar to what I've done here today. Yeah. All right, man. Well, anything else you want to plug before we get off here? Start at grandtheftworld.com. If you like the content, dig into it. And then autonomy is a couple clicks away. You'll see an offer. That's awesome. It was great talking to you again, Richard. I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate the invitation, Tommy, and I'm so glad we persisted through those arduous tech hiccups for a half hour before we got started, because if we hadn't, we wouldn't have been able to unfold this, uh, this value for your audience today, and that would have left me on like a, a downer. So I'm glad we can leave it on a high note. Me too, man. I really appreciate you, and hopefully we're not going to wait two years to do this again. I promise. No. And uh, are you going to the Porcupine Freedom Festival at all? I am not. I, no, I'm not. I'll be at, I'll be at Childeberg at the end of may all right so at childerberg uh find my buddy uh howard he's going to be running uh the red line project howard uh he also has uh the freedom book the coffee table book oh so, yeah yeah you'll you'll see him running around there and then uh pete quinones he's going to uh pork fest is uh horton or sheldon richmond or anyone else from libertarian institute going to the porcupine freedom festival i, I don't know if i don't know if horton is I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I never got to meet him in person. I'd like I know Tom Woods heard, is going. There's a whole bunch of. Yeah, like, I, heard have, yes, I heard the other day somebody was going by. I can't remember who it is. Yeah, we probably have uh, like 50 autonomy students and grads that are going up there. So, awesome. yeah, it's it's good time. But I hope to get to a Texas Freedom Festival and you and I can hang out. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, like I said, I promise I won't wait two years again. <laughs> that was on right, me. We'll, we'll keep it tight. Great interview last week with Pete. And uh, I'll look forward to more interactions like this. This is always fun, Tommy. Thank you. All right, buddy. I really appreciate you. Peace. Bye. You want to be a hero. Said you're just a slave. All your good intentions took you to your grave. Your pride is how they killed you With the flag you wave just like a fool They promised you a mountain Gifted you a stone They demanded that you throw it Into your neighbor's home And then seize all that they worked for And give it to the throne just like a tool Stand in line and glorify new ways of being cruel. Cool. 
something that they're teaching us in school. They dumps down all around propaganda, their pollution. They set a cage up on the stage, up a side for a solution. They build a wall, block them all from this mental institution. It's insane. Thank you.